Welcome to the Unmasking the Jesus Myth podcast with Stephen Bedard. Over the last couple of episodes, we have been looking at the evidence for the historical Jesus. We have looked at the Gospels, we've looked at Paul's epistles, and we've looked at Josephus. The natural next step is to look at the Roman historians. However, there's some debate as to their usefulness in trying to understand the historical Jesus. It makes sense that we would want to look at these three historians, Suetonius, Pliny the Younger, and Tacitus, being younger contemporaries of Josephus, being born approximately 30 years after him. We're going to go through each of these Romans, looking at what they had to say and how important that is for us in determining that there was a historical Jesus. The first one we're going to look at is Suetonius, who lived from 69 to 122 AD. He was a Roman historian, and he was also a close friend of Pliny the Younger, who we'll be looking at in a moment. He is most well known for his book, The Lives of the Twelve Caesars, which was written around 121 AD. And there's a lot of important things in these books for us to understand the Roman background of early Christianity. However, there are a couple of passages in the Twelve Caesars that are of particular interest to Christian historians. The first one is in his Life of Nero. And in one passage, he says this, Punishment was inflicted on the Christians, a class of men given to a new and mischievous superstition. Here, Suetonius is simply mentioning that Christians are around and are being persecuted during the time of Nero. And so that doesn't really help us in understanding the historical Jesus, other than to know that Christians were well known by that time. More important is what Suetonius says in his life of Claudius. And he says this, Since the Jews constantly made disturbance at the instigation of Crestus, he expelled them from Rome. And this is important for a couple of reasons. One is, this is likely the expelling of the Jews that is described in the book of Acts. And so this gives us some more background about that event. But what Suetonius says here is that the Jews were causing a disturbance because of the instigation of Crestus, and that's spelled C-H-R-E-S-T-U-S. And many scholars believe that that is Suetonius' misunderstanding of Christ, that he had heard that there were Jews in Rome following a Christ and that they were causing some trouble. And this is a misspelling of that. Now, there's all kinds of debate among historians about that, but it does seem to be pointing towards something like that. However, this doesn't really help us very much because we know that Christ wasn't actually in Rome and that Suetonius is misunderstanding what the situation is. He hears that there are Jews who are following Christ, but he doesn't realize that Christ has died and that Christ had remained in Galilee and Judea. So it is of limited help in understanding the historical Jesus. We now move to 
Pliny the Younger, who lived between 61 and 113 AD, and he was a lawyer, an author, and a magistrate. And he wrote a series of letters to the Roman Emperor Trajan. And in one of the letters, he writes to Trajan asking for advice in how to deal with Christians. And the passage is fairly lengthy, and I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read a small portion for you. This is what Pliny says to Trajan. They asserted, however, that the sum and substance of their fault or error had been that they were accustomed to meet on a fixed day before dawn and sing responsibly a hymn to Christ as to a God, and to bind themselves by oath, not to some crime, but not to commit fraud, theft, or adultery, not falsify their trust, nor to refuse to return trust when called upon to do so. When this was over, it was their custom to depart and to assemble again to partake of food, but ordinary and innocent food. And Trajan replies to Pliny and says this, You observe proper procedure, my dear Pliny, in sifting the cases of those who had been denounced to you as Christians, for it is not possible to lay down any general rule to serve as a kind of fixed standard. They are not to be sought out if they are denounced and proved guilty. They are to be punished with this reservation, that whoever denies that he is a Christian and really proves it, that is, by worshipping our gods, even though he was under suspicion in the past, shall obtain pardon through repentance. But anonymously posted accusations ought to have no place in any prosecution, for this is both a dangerous kind of precedent and out of keeping with the spirit of our age. Again, this doesn't tell us a whole lot about Jesus. It does tell us at that time uh, Christians were well-known and they were experiencing some persecution. And magistrates such as Pliny were struggling in knowing how to respond to them. And so they are punishing them but are willing to let them off if they will deny Christ and worship the Roman gods. The one thing that is important in the passage from Pliny is that he does acknowledge that they sing a hymn to Christ as to a God. And so this indicates that by this time that Christians definitely saw Jesus as more than just a prophet or a religious leader, but they were actually worshiping him as a God. The final Roman that we're going to look at is Tacitus, who lived between 56 and 120 AD. And like Suetonius, he was a historian. And he is known for writing a number of books, but one of them is The Annals, which was written around 116. And this is what he says. But all human efforts, all the lavish gifts of the emperor, and the propitiations of the gods did not banish the sinister belief that the conflagration was the result of an order. Consequently, to get rid of the report, Nero fastened the guilt and inflicted the most exquisite tortures on a class hated for their abominations, called Christians by the populace. Christus, from whom the name had its origin, suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius at the hands of one of our procurators, Pontius Pilate, and a most mischievous superstition, this checked for the moment, again broke out, not only in Judea, the first source of the evil, 
but even in Rome, where all things hideous and shameful from every part of the world find their centre and become popular. Accordingly, an arrest was first made of all who pleaded guilty. Then upon their information, an immense multitude was convicted, not so much of the crime of firing the city as of hatred against mankind. And so what Tacitus is talking about here is the great fire of Rome that took place during the reign of Nero. And there were rumors that Nero himself had set that fire. And Nero, aware of that, tried to put the blame upon Christians, and this led to some persecution. And so this would link back to what we saw from Suetonius a bit earlier. However, Tacitus has some more information about Jesus than what we find in the other Roman writers. He refers to Jesus as Christus, this time spelled correctly, and he is aware that the Christians received their name from him. He also knows that Jesus was executed in Judea by Pontius Pilate during the reign of Tiberius. And so this gives us a bit more information. I'm not sure that extreme skeptics would accept this. They would perhaps respond by saying that Tacitus is reporting hearsay, that by the year 116, that there were people who believed that Christ had died on a cross in Judea during the time of Pontius Pilate and Tiberius. And we know that there were people who believed that because the Gospels were written by this time. Still, I would say that Tacitus is probably the strongest Roman evidence we have for the historical Jesus. How important are these Roman writers? I would say if we are trying to build a case for the historical Jesus, we're best to focus on the Gospels, Paul, and Josephus. If we want to look beyond that, Tacitus would be the next one that would be helpful, but I don't really see Pliny the Younger or Suetonius as being particularly supportive of the existence of the historical Jesus. They are evidence that Christians were known at that time, but it doesn't give us much historical evidence. But that doesn't mean that we should have any doubts that Jesus existed. What we have already is more than enough evidence. We need to be aware of what the Romans said, but we don't need to rely upon it. Thank you for listening to this episode. Please check me out at my website, jesusmyththeory.com, and consider supporting this podcast either by going to patreon.com slash hopesreason or by downloading a free audiobook from Audible with a free trial. Just go to audibletrial.com slash hopesreason. That's audibletrial.com slash hopesreason. Thank you, and God bless.